Praise the Lord, everybody. Aren't you thankful to be in the presence of the Lord tonight? I, um, I know you've been standing for a while now, so we'll quickly um, go to the word of the Lord. First Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19. I beg your forgiveness um, for not being here for the entirety of this meeting. Um, my scheduling is uh, very taxing at times, and um, I don't mean this any other way than the way it is. My family comes first. And um, as much as I'd like to be in the entirety of all these meetings, I'm not able to. My kids are at a very important time in their life, and, and that's my priority, praise God. If we save the world and we lose our own family, what have we done? Absolutely nothing. And um, so being dad's pretty important to me. And I appreciate my family and I honor them and uh, all the sacrifices they make. Um, if you'll let me tonight, you've been standing a while, just quickly go to the word of the Lord. We, we love the Robinsons in this church and we give honor to all the ministry that's on the platform. Um, I look back and I think my eyes didn't fail me, but I think that's Jason Dillon. And uh, a friend from many, many, many years ago. And we're honored he's here tonight. And uh, appreciate him. First Kings chapter 19, verse number 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying... Say, let these gods do to me, and more also, if I may not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, it's a dangerous thing when words become pictures. It's one thing for the devil to say something. It's another thing for you to camp out on that little thought that he lets come into your mind. And you begin to see the things he's saying. It can't come to pass. It can't become a distraction. It can't hinder you if it's only words. But when you allow words to become pictures... When he saw these things, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself, just let me die. It is enough. Take away my life. I 
am I any better than my father's? And he lay and slept under a juniper tree or a broom tree. Behold, then an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. If you would allow me, I'd like to read one more portion of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, sometimes, when you feel like it, when it looks like things are going your way, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not, someone say is not, it's not in vain in, in the Lord, praise God. I'd like tonight, kind of from the angle, we want to look at this from both sides of the coin. Um, in language, it's called a, a double entente, it's double meaning. But I'd like to use tonight for a title that phrase that Elijah uses there in First Kings chapter 19. It is enough. Now, I want you to be honest before we pray. How many have ever found yourself in a place where you have said, I have had enough. I've had enough. Full up. Fed up. Don't talk to me. It's enough. I've had enough of that situation. I've had enough of that tongue. I've had enough of that problem. I've had enough of that reoccurring situation. I've had enough out of that family. I've had enough from my boss. I've, I've had. I've had it. I've had it. I've had enough. We're going to talk about this tonight for the Holy Ghost to help us. Would you throw your hands in the air one more time and lift your voice and ask God to help us. If you're expecting the Lord to do something good here tonight, once you go ahead and thank Him in advance. Come on, somebody put your voice with Him. Hallelujah! You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I wish that I could explain that the stark, drastic difference between 
chapters number 18 and 19 is because that there is a long space of time. I wish I could explain away the problems here because of a long space of time. There's quite a polarity here. Um, I'm just a transparent preacher, but this has always been a text that has bothered me because I have found myself here, and I don't like this. I, I don't like being up one day and down the next. I don't like having high church on Sunday night and then Monday morning wanting to just pull the covers over my head and not get out of bed. Something's wrong with that. Now, now you, you say that's, that's just Elijah's problem. All of us have been there. I, I, I'm striving because I, I feel like that, that Solomon the wise man gave us some insight into at least part of his demise when he said to buy the truth and sell it not. It was not a New Testament scripture. I'm sure it's applicable the way that we use it. But it is speaking of emotional equanimity. It's something that it's something that someone just doesn't happen upon. It's it's something that's procured. You gotta buy it. And I have found myself in a a rabid pursuit in trying to find emotional equanimity. Take a little of the lows out of the valleys and even if I gotta sacrifice a little highs off the off the mountaintops, praise God. I can't explain the problem here and, and say that the issues here is because everybody goes through seasons and, and there is this three-year gap between chapter 18 and 19 because that's not the case. Praise God. It's the same man in chapter 19 that called fire down in chapter 18. Hours later. Days later. Hallelujah. It's the same man. But I want to remind you, it's not just the same man, it's the same God. And it's not just the same God, regardless of how you feel in your flesh and what you've been going through in your mind. It's the same calling. It's the same anointing. It's the same purpose. It's the same promise. And it's the same plan. Nothing's changed. Praise God. We see in chapter number 18, the boldness, the unwavering resolve, the backbone. God gets Elijah up. Stay with me here. He said, I want you to go show yourself to Ahab. Some things are about to shift. Now, mind you, this same man that is basically trying to commit suicide is the same man that spoke and the rain dried up three years before. And he's the same man 
that not only caused the water to dry up, but he's the same man that with his words is going to turn the spigot back on. Go show yourself to Ahab. And he gets up and he goes shows himself to Ahab. I've been there. I've been in those times where there was no fear. I've lived in those seasons where I felt like that I could take hell on with a water pistol. He didn't question God. He's God's man. But the holiday he got up and did what God told him to do. Somewhere in the process of all of this, there's, of course, after three years of no rain, there's a terrible drought. And Ahab has sent uh, Obadiah and they've gone in two different directions to try to find pasture to graze the horses and the mules and find water so that the livestock will survive. And Ahab says, you go that way. And, and, and Obadiah, you go that way. And, and Obadiah in his wanderings encounters Elijah on his way to confront Ahab. And there's an interesting little conversation, a discourse that takes place there. And, and uh, Elijah said, I want you to go tell Ahab I need to see Ob- Obadiah gets a little nervous. A little squeamish uh, about this uh, command because uh, he, he knows how light he is. And in fact, I chuckled when I really realized what he was saying. He said, yeah, about the time I turn and go tell him what you just told me to tell him, you're just going to disappear. And then I'm going to die for bringing all this stuff up. And, and Obadiah says, don't you realize that I am the man when Ahab and Jezebel started destroying the prophets that hid a hundred prophets in the caves by fifties and, and fed them and gave them water to drink. He's trying to get out of this little situation. And Elijah says, no, you go tell Ahab I've come to see him. So off Obadiah goes and he tells Ahab and eventually... The table set, Ahab and Elijah meet, and I, I want you again to look at the fortitude, the fearlessness, the strength of this prophet because the audaciousness of this, this pansy Ahab uh, that is being controlled by Jezebel says, oh, it is, it is he that causes, it is he that causes uh, us problems. There's no wavering. He doesn't flinch. That doesn't bother him. Come on, he's not intimidated by Ahab. He looks right back at him and he sticks that old bony, bony finger back in Ahab's direction. And he said, I'm not the problem. It's you and your reprobate wife. I mean, he doesn't even flinch. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't sit there and consider the, uh, the, the, the consequences of what's going to happen if I do this or say it. He's God's man. He's called. He's anointed. God told him to go, right? I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. So, uh, Ahab, Ahab, this, this clash of wheels. And, and finally, Elijah tells him, he said, you go tell your wife to gather up. I want the 450 prophets of Baal. And I want the 400 prophets out of the grove. And he said, I want you to tell all of Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel. We're fixing to have a showdown. Something's about to happen. Brother, you want to talk about a come to Jesus meeting? That was one right there. That was a meeting I'd like to have been at. All of Israel. What, what must that have looked like? And you got these 400. You see, because Jezebel didn't have a problem with preachers. She just didn't like the ones she couldn't control. Jezebel liked preachers. 
She had 850 of them that sat at her table. She just didn't like preachers she couldn't control. That's what that spirit looks like. And uh, so they gather themselves and he lets them go first. He lets them go first. We'll each take a bullock and you build the altar and you cry out to your God. The God basically, I'm trying to hurry. The God that answers by fire, let him be God. So they do their thing and, and, and up in the afternoon, Baal still hasn't answered and they're jumping up on the altar and they're cutting themselves and they've given over to lunacy. And now this man that I read to you about that is basically suicidal in chapter 19, look at the contrast. In 18, he's so feeling right and good about his position and about what God's called him to do that he begins to mock them. He starts mocking them. It's It's almost like this guy's got a bipolar disorder. This bothers me. You better do more than just read this and say, boy, that guy had an issue. You better, you better learn, you better learn to make application because all of us have dealt with this. Something's wrong when we're, and we're the worst about this. You don't have, I'm just telling you right now, apostolics, Holy Ghost filled people, because the Holy Ghost is emotion, but God doesn't, He, He, God does not want all of this up and down, up and down. I'm called one day and the next day I'm not calling. I'm gonna have revival. I'm gonna resign. I'm gonna live for God. I'm gonna backslide. Come on, I understand there's seasons and you may feel one way one year and a couple years later, but the next day? My God, if your saints knew how many times you'd resigned in your mind, they'd have run you off a long time ago. And vice versa. If your pastor knew how many times you considered quitting after he preached his gut out, guts out Sunday morning and Sunday night and you was ready to quit on Monday, he'd be ready to give up on you too. Hello? He starts mocking him. Where's God? Where's your God at? Where's Baal at? Is he on vacation? Is he in the bathroom? Or where in the south? Is he in the bathroom? That's what he said. He's mocking at them. He is so confident in his calling. He is so confident in God that that spoke to him and told him, get up and go address Ahab. There's fixing to be a shift. There's a season change coming. Something, there's a revolution. I'm about to turn some things on its ears. He's so confident in that. Come on, finally their time's up. Pale doesn't answer. Methodically, meticulously. He rebuilds the altar. We're in a drought. He doesn't stand around and think about where he's going to get 12 gallons of water, 12 buckets of water from. No, he's a God-called prophet. He's God's man. He's got a mandate. He's got a calling. He's got an anointing. I'm starting to loosen up here. I'm, I'm starting to feel some help here right now. So he just turns and says, go get me. Don't, he doesn't stand there and, 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 and wring his hands and pull, pull on his hair and, and start visibly sweating. It's a drought. Where are we going to get water? No, he just turns around and tells him, Brother Hare, go get me four buckets of water. I dare you to ask him, where, where are we going to get that water? 
it's dry. There's a drought going. They go somewhere they found him four buckets of water. And he turns around and tells them again, go get me four. Go get me four more. Go get me four more. He's confident. God's called me here. God, God, God gave me a vision. God gave me a dream. Come on, say to God. God brought me here. God, come on. God sent me here. God put me in that job. God put me in this city. God planted me in this church. Hallelujah. He gets down on one man and said, now look, God. There's obviously a problem here. How would you answer by fire? He And I've had these moments where God's come through for me. Ironically enough. No, there's no irony in this. God puts all this together. He, he's come through for me. I've had those moments. I've had those epiphanies. I've had where God showed up. Hallelujah. And he showed up in all of his glory and power. Dawned in all of his splendor. And the Bible says that the fire falls. And it licks up all of the water out of the ditches. And it consumes the sacrifice. Hallelujah. You're doing your little thing about now. Hallelujah. I don't know if it's the twirly bird or the, the herky turkey or whatever you do. It's that moment you start doing your thing. Because God has affirmed your anointing. And says, Lord, he turns and then he looks at all of Israel and he said, how long will you halt between two opinions? Make up your mind what you're going to do. No hesitation. No fear. Spine. Backbone. He then turns to Ahab and says, go eat. Because it's about to rain. Goes off somewhere. Sticks his head between his knees and starts praying. Tells his servant, go look and see if there's anything. Servant comes back. Says there's nothing. He said, still nothing. Go again. No question. There's rain's coming. Why? Because God said it. Why? Because I'm God's man. Why? Because God put me here. Why? Because I've been faithful. Why? Because I'm anointed. Why? Because I've got purpose. It's going to rain. It's Eddie. He looks at him and says, steal nothing, go again. In other words, you just keep going. Come on, five times, six times. I don't, I, I don't think it would have caused Elijah. It, he wouldn't have wavered. Go 25 times. I know what God said. We're going to have a revival. We're going to pray people through. God's going to fill a church up. Backsliders are coming home. We're going to pack our communities. All of a sudden, after the seventh time, Brother Williams, the servant, comes back and says, I see the cloud about the size of a man's hand. There you go doing the huckabuck and the herky-jerky and the twirly bird or whatever you do. I told you, God said it was going to rain. He didn't need a big cloud. Chapter number 18, he didn't need thunderings and lightnings. He was confident in his calling. And a cloud the size of a man's hand was enough. 
And he's so where he needs to be, the Bible says that he starts running down the hill and on foot, he beats everybody else to the bottom. He outran a chariot. Now you may not feel that way tonight about where you're at, your job, where you're, come on, I'm preaching to a pastor's wife right now. I'm preaching to some young couples. You may not feel that way, but there's been times you felt that way. I love the times I feel like I could take hell on with a, with a super soaker. Just bring it on. Come on. When you feel bigger than life. When altars, when fire, when there's a display of fire on the altar, when there's rain coming down. Come on. When you're speaking and stuff's happening. And then 18 ends. Brother Tarver, it's not two years. It's not five years. Give the guy some slack because we all go through seasons. It's not 12 months. Brother, he's still walking through mud puddles. He's still got mud on his toes. He's still, the mud splatter hadn't even had time to dry on his robes. And word gets back to him. And Jezebel says, I'm going to have your head. And I'm almost, I came all the way to Mississippi and I'm almost to the, to the very point that God sent me here to give you. And I'm going to say something right here and I'm asking you to hear me all the way out. There's something going on here besides Elijah being scared of Jezebel. You don't do everything this man did in chapter 18. And then take off, separate yourself from your servant. Isolation. Spiritual depression. In fact, if you study, you study Jewish history historically, they would tell you that even a prophet, even a prophet's propensities to want to be alone and aloof, that they knew it wasn't safe for a prophet to be by himself. So the servant was there for more than just to wash his hands and to wash his feet. The servant was there to keep him in his right mind. Somebody for him to talk to. first mistake he leave, he makes is he leaves his he leaves his help he separates himself Isol- isolate isolated people get weird you don't know what i'm dealing with and you don't know what's going on you don't know what's happening in my marriage and you don't know what's going on in my church no i may not know the details but i know the worst mistake that you'll ever make is to separate yourself from the people that God put in your life to help you keep your sanity. And I'll go ahead and say what some of you are thinking. Well, Marks, why don't you listen to yourself? You're preaching to the choir. There's not more, probably no one in here that's any more aloof than myself. But I realize in the darkest of times, I need people. I've got to have people.
people in my life. You get alone. There's no telling what you'll entertain. There's no telling what you'll give up. There's no telling what you'll talk yourself into. Hallelujah. I've seen, I've seen plane crashes. I've seen them hit the ground and burn up and blow up. I've seen ministries implode. I've seen churches fold and split in 15 different directions. And you look at the pathologies of the problem and I wonder, could some of this have been stopped if somebody would have just asked for some help? If somebody would have just showed up and said, look, I'm bleeding. I'm bruised. Hallelujah. I'm beat up. Would somebody... you came tonight because I know you didn't want to come on some of the very people I'm preaching to and I got plans God give, God's put some things in my spirit to prophesy to some people in this place tonight before we're finished come on I know it's everything in your power to stay I didn't take it personal come on when I felt like something was trying to pull you away from here come on it's because Jezebel come on the spirit of Jezebel this situation come on the place you're at in life come on you're trying to pull away the devil's trying to isolate you how do you call fire down from heaven how do you speak to all of Israel to to make a choice how do you slay I left that out he didn't just call fire down before he went and set the rain in motion he had all them false prophets killed you want me to believe that Elijah was afraid of Jezebel? There ain't a chance in the world. You know what Elijah's problem was? Elijah was discouraged. He said, Brother Marks, after all of that, how could Elijah be discouraged? Let me tell you something. It's not just people who are suffering defeats that deal with discouragement. Elijah was dealing with the syndrome of, I did my best. And she still didn't go away. You're going to see Mark's in a little bit different, a little bit different coat here tonight. I'm, a, I'm typically a pusher. I'm, t- I'm typically... Someone over the years that God has used trying to get more and more and get more and trying to get more and try, trying to get more. But the problem here is, the problem here is, is Elijah is dealing with having done his best and it didn't work. He's dealing with having won a victory only to realize there's still another battle. It's the discouragement of winning a victory on Sunday night and then waking up and realizing there's something else to deal with on Monday. Come on, folks. He didn't liken the kingdom to a circus. He didn't liken the kingdom to a, to a resort park. He didn't, he didn't liken the, the kingdom to Six Flags. The kingdom is not a playground, ladies and gentlemen. It's a battlefield. We are soldiers. 
hands right now. I feel like that Elijah felt that what happened at Carmel would have the means of affecting the conversion of a whole court and country. But finding him mistaken, he is sadly discouraged. It's the discouragement of preaching truth. It's the discouragement of trying to communicate dreams. And five years later, the devil, come on, I'm talking to you right now. You're not even talking that dream anymore. Because just like Elijah, the devil said, you're going to lose credibility with your people. That dream hasn't come to pass yet. Those things aren't coming to pass. That hasn't happened yet. You can't talk about that anymore. Let me tell you something. It is enough. It is enough. It is enough. It is enough. I'm here tonight to come against the spirit of Jezebel. You want to know what the spirit of Jezebel does? The spirit of Jezebel causes you to undermine your own anointing. The spirit of Jezebel causes you to drive your city on Monday after you preached on Sunday and nobody got the Holy Ghost and the world looks overwhelming. I'm not doing my job. You better hear me. The devil is a liar. You're God called. You're God anointed. You're God's man. This is God's church. No. No. We haven't converted her yet. And no, her court didn't fall down. Her court didn't fall down and convert to monotheistic thinking. Her court, come on, come come on, the world hasn't completely turned to us yet. I understand that. Hear me out tonight. Come on, but that doesn't mean that this message is not right. That doesn't, come on, that doesn't mean that the death, burial, and resurrection, come on, the gospel message is no longer relevant. You better hear me right now. Come on, there's not presidents bowing. There's not politicians bowing. You better hear me, home missionary pastor. You better hear me, sir. You only have 80 people and the devil's told you you're a failure. No, you're not. You're an Elijah. You're a man of God. You're anointed. Elijah expected her to see this great confrontation and for her to say silence Baal and worship Yahweh because he is God but that's not what happened I did my job I did what I knew to do these people it's Jezebel it's these people it's Jezebel the world doesn't want what I have it's these people it's these carnal people that I'm saying listen you better hear me right now Elijah the problem is not Jezebel and the problem is not those people hallelujah 
the spirit of Jezebel causes the church to feel like she's not enough. That's what he said. Read into it. Look at it closely. It is enough. Why does he feel like it is enough? Because he feels like he's not enough. Am I any better than my fathers? And what happens is, we look at the guys that have had success. We look at the guys with bigger churches. We hear about their revivals. Come on. Am I any better than them? Can, do I can't preach like they can preach. I don't have the money they have. I don't have the programs. Come on. And he undermines your calling. And he undermines your anointing. Come on. Come on. And you forget. You forget about all the times God confirmed it. You When you get to the place that you say, I've had enough, it's because you feel like you're not enough. And what I have is insufficient. And what I have is not enough to cover the need. The success of Carmel melted like the morning dew. Somehow something that doesn't go his way in the moment causes him to feel like his entire ministry is a failure. Because it's not for the hair. It's not the showdowns at Mount Carmel that define who a man is, who a ministry is, what a church is. Who a saint is, who an elder is, who a young person is. It's not the Mount Carmel explosions because they're few and far between. You know what defines who a man is? It's what God finally turns and tells him. God sent me here. And I'm in no means an angel, but an angel scripturally is a messenger. And he sent me here just like he sent that angel to Elijah up underneath that broom tree. To shake you! And he goes on to tell him, listen, there's 7,000 that have never bowed at me to Baal. You know what he's telling Elijah? No, no, no. You've done more for this nation in the day-to-day plotting. Yeah, there comes. Come on. That's the problem, though, if we're not careful. We focus everything on the showdowns at Mount Carmel. But that's not where the victory's won. We're not building a church on fire falling on Mount Carmel. Because that doesn't affect Jezebel. Come on. Come on. Jezebel typically doesn't bow in those moments. You know how you're going to impact the kingdom? You know how? Come on. I'm preaching to young person. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to you, youth leader. I'm preaching to a discouraged saint of God. You know how you're going to impact your world? One day at a time. One day at a time. One day. The methodical ministry of Elijah. Look, you feel like you failed. It's your faithfulness. 
and your truths and your visitations, the revivals that you've had in those villages, the times that you've showed up with a word from the Lord. Come on, those fireside chats. Come on, not everybody, not everybody. Elijah, that's where you were wrong. You thought all of Israel was bowing down to Baal. No, your ministry's doing more. Your life's doing more. Your commitment, I'm preaching to you, your commitment, your walk, your holiness, your righteousness, your prayer life. He wants us to get our focus on the fact that we're not impacting the systems. 7,000 is worth more than Jezebel ever be worth. Not enough. You are enough! I don't have enough talents. Yes, you do! You're called. You're anointed. You're enough. I know you came to this meeting feeling like you've had enough. But God sent a man to give you a word tonight. That you are enough. See, i got to get you out from underneath that broom tree though. He could have put Elijah under any old tree, man. He didn't put him under a pomegranate tree or a fruit tree. He put him under a broom tree. The tree you've climbed up under. Hey, I'm telling you something right now. And God, God is going to back up what I'm preaching. Saint of God, pastor's wife, you got this telling you. Give it seven days. And God's going to open your eyes to the fact. You came in this meeting. You came in this meeting spiritually suicidal. Are you hearing me? Spiritually suicidal. When you ought to be celebrating. No, 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 no. I'm trying to shake you underneath that broom tree. You've separated yourself. You've quit answering the phone. You've backed away. You've pushed everybody off. But I want to talk to you about the broom tree. You better think about why you're living under that broom tree. What's being swept in? And what's being swept out? What are you losing? What are you losing while you're sucking your thumb, spiritually suicidal, feeling like that you're not adequate enough to be the apostolic that God needs, the witness that God needs? Really? Really? Moses had a stick and a speech impediment. Really? Look at the ragtag bunch that he called disciples. Really? You're not enough. Brother Marks, I've done my best only to wake up and realize there's another battle. Pentecostals, I hope tonight we can wake up and realize that we're on a ship, but it's not a cruise ship. We're not entertaining, folks. This is where we're at. Young people in this place, ready to throw in the towel. There was a God. I've been, I've been praying. 
I've been praying, asking God, give me some direction about this. This attack against this generation about, is there really a God? You know, I, I think God's given me some insight. I believe the origins, a lot of that you're dealing with is because of the very thing I'm talking about. Because you're laying up beneath, underneath a broom tree. And, and if you'll stop and think, God has, God has come through for you in some situations. But right now you're suffocating and overwhelmed about the situations that you had in your preconceived ideas. That you thought this should have happened and I should already be married. And this, come on now, I'm talking to somebody. And Jezebel does more damage as far as I'm concerned. Jezebel done. I don't think she ever thought for the first day she'd ever get her hands on Elijah and kill him. That's not what she was trying to do. She wanted him to run like a ragged dog. Why? To undermine his authority. Oh, he's a prophet, is he? There's a reason this stuff comes against us and the devil tries to get us, cause, cause us to... Pull our tail between our legs and run off and hide in the corner somewhere and suck on our thumb like little Johnny Horner. No, there's a reason. He's trying to undermine not only you to yourself. He's trying to undermine you to all the those that follow you. God call. Yeah. Revival. Yeah, God's really going to impact this city. Look at him. Where's he at now? Where's the fire at now? He wasn't scared of Jezebel. He was discouraged. He was discouraged because he'd given all. And it didn't pan out the way he thought it was going to pan out. And that church is not as big as you thought it would be by now. Saying to God, you haven't done for God as much as you thought you'd do for God by now. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. Be steadfast. Unmovable. Always. Even when you're overwhelmed. Even when Jezebel... Is trying to undermine you. Come on, not just to yourself, but to everybody else that's watching and looking on. Always, someone shout always. Abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. finally gets him up on back on his feet and he finally gets his shoulders squared again you go look at the direction he went and you go look at the orders that God gave him come to the keyboard of the organ and finish and what you will discover is is that God told Elijah you go back right where you just came from you go back you go right back in the direction you just ran from 
You go right back into the face of that opposition. You go right back to that desk. You go right back. You go right back to that pulpit. You go right back to that nurse's station. You go right back to doing those, those that, that putting that stuff in the computer and tallying, and it's not all equaling up, and you're having to rob Peter to pay Paul, and you're, I'm preaching to somebody. You go back to it. You go back to it. You don't run from opposition. You run right back into that friction. Because it's in the presence of opposition. Where there's opportunity. And there's anointing. And I got some things I want you to do. Get out from underneath this broom tree. You're letting the devil. He's The longer you lay here, he's sweeping joy. And he's sweeping self-confidence. And he's sweeping. Come on. And right as he sweeps that out, he's sweeping in heightened insecurities. He's sweeping in bitterness. He's sweeping. I'm talking to you about the bro- You better get out. You better get out. You better get out. I'm talking to the man. I'm talking to the man that's called fire down. I'm talking. I'm talking to somebody right now. I don't know how in the world. How, yes, I do because I've dealt with it. I don't know how in the world anybody like you. Come on. That can teach like you can teach. With the anointing that you have. I don't know how anybody in the world. I don't know how anybody in the world can wake up like you. And just, I'm a failure. Come on. I, maybe we just need to move on. We're not doing. I'm telling you, you're making a difference in Memphis. You're making a difference in those people. Come on. You're God call. You're as much God. You're as much God's man on the bottom as you're God's man on the mountain. You're as much God. You're as much God's man when there's fire as when there's failure. Oh, you didn't hear me. You're as much God's man as there is fire as when there is failure. Don't you run. Don't you run. You plant your feet. Don't you run. This is not personal, Gary Robinson. This is not personal. This is a spirit. And God needs a man that'll lock down. Because if it wasn't everything they're saying it is, it'd be something, it'd be something else. Because this is spirit driven. And it wants to undermine your credibility and your calling. Come on, it wants to undermine everything, all the hard work, the blood, sweat, you better you go, you walk right back into the face of that opposition. You walk right back into it. You walk humbly, humbly, yell, humbly, but knowing who you are. And you walk back in there with a bottle of oil in your hand and say, okay, we're fixing to anoint some things. We're going to anoint, we're going to anoint the next prophet and we're going to anoint the next king. You go and believe that God is going to allow you to bless the secular and the spiritual. You go home and believe that God's going to bless. You're as much God's man. You're as much God's saint. When you got money. As you are when you ain't got money.
No, Elijah. Jezebel and her court didn't bow. But there's 7,000. I wish I'd have thought of this sooner. I'd have had somebody learn it and sing it. It's out of Kurt's league. Cause it's Southern Gospel. Forgive me, Kurt. Hallelujah. You're in the country. There are a bunch of old crackers in here that like that Southern Gospel music. Praise God. But Greater, Greater Vision made a song popular probably 10 years ago called Faces. Geniusly written. When you've planted, you've been faithful to the field. And the field didn't yield what you thought. You, you know the seed you put in the ground. And it didn't yield. It didn't yield. The chorus goes into, there's going to come a day when you walk into heaven and God's going to turn your face and show you all the faces. Elijah, there's 7,000 that your ministry's impacted. I'm telling you, you're making an impact that you don't know you're making. I close with this. She had hoped when he was young that he would take musical interest in he was naturally talented and so early on she put her young son in lessons and he quickly grew bored with the routine of going to a lesson every week. Wasn't long until he no longer fiddled on the piano or he just kind of walked away from all of it and the mother was saddened, her hopes and dreams and the financial investments she'd made. and She was trying to find a way to rekindle that, a way to get, stir that interest up again. Just, you know, he, he's, got the, he's got it. He's, I've made the investment. I don't remember if she was heard an advertisement on the radio or seen a, a pamphlet somewhere, but the great... Paderewski was coming to town. It was a black tie affair, and she knew it was she was taking a chance because he was still very young. But she she purchased the expensive tickets, and she bought him the appropriate attire. She thought, "I'll take him to a night of Paderewski, and maybe this will rekindle his his love for music." They walk into this great ballroom concert hall type of atmosphere and the who's who of the city is there and immediately they feel like this is not where we belong and the boy is his mouth is hanging open and he's never seen anything like this in his life and the audience is lightly lit and it's kind of dim there in the congregation but up on the up on the stage is this black beautiful Steinway and there's one single light that's on this piano as they're trying the ushers trying to help them find their seats the mother stopped someone calls out to her and she stopped and she begins to converse with a friend and 
The next thing she knows is there's like a cacophony of, like a mixture of noises and it, take, it takes her a minute to realize what's going on, but there's a commotion and, and all these high flute and upper echelon type of people, the, the high society of the areas, their attention's turned up to the, the grand piano and there's a noise mixed with the, the disapproval of the crowd and she reaches to grab her son and realizes he's no longer by her side, he's gone. She realizes that the jeering and the laughter is her, her son is the object of this and as her ears tune in she realizes that her boy is setting up on this piano underneath the spotlight and he's doing his best to play through chopsticks and it's fumbled feeble at best and the crowd is booing and jeering and all of a sudden to the, to the, to the surprise and shock of these folks, the black satin curtains part and Paderewski himself steps out. And the boy turns around to see Paderewski and he freezes. And the accomplished musician walks up behind him and he puts the boy's hands back on the piano. And then he places his around the other boy, around the boy's hands and he says, you just play what you know. And the great composer Paderewski began to play a beautiful piece around the fumbled, feeble attempt of the little young man to the astonishment. The air was sucked from the building. People stood with their mouth hanging open, watching as by ear, as by ear, the professional right there by ear began to compose a piece around the fumbled, feeble, failing effort of the young boy. But I want to remind you here tonight of the words of Paderewski in the ears of that young boy. Just play what you know to play. I want to talk to this conference here tonight, this camp meeting rather. I want to talk to I want to talk to young people. I want to talk to these preachers. I hope there's some preachers' wives that are ready to pray for one another. And I'm telling you, go back home and play what you know to play. Brother March, I can't play. No, just preach Acts 2.38. Preach one God. Preach the blood. Come on, preach the essentiality of the new birth message. It's, it's feeble. It's no the curtains of eternity. Boy, I feel this. Oh, I hope this word, this is not sensationalism, but I feel a prophetic utterance on my lips right now. I feel like if you'll go home and keep fumbling through chopsticks, just keep, I know you feel like your fingers are heavy. Come on, I can't hit the right key for hitting the wrong key. Come on, Elijah, get out from underneath that broom tree. Get your hands, get your hands back on the... I feel like, I feel like between now and the end of the year, in fact, dear God, if we're going to use social media, let's use it for something good. You guys need to start feeding off of one another because I believe between now and December in our cities and our churches that the curtains of eternity are about to part. And grace...
is going to step out. Your fingers feel real heavy right now. There's going to be times that I'll just leave this with them, man. I can't tell you right now. I'll book up stuff right now. I'll leave it with them. Your fingers are heavy. You're not thinking. You're not thinking right. These are not the struggles of failures. These are struggles of people who are highly successful. I'm looking at highly successful preachers. I'm looking at highly successful saints here tonight. But you came to this meeting with a feeling. I've had enough. I've had enough. I really feel like there's a presence fixing to come in behind us. Get down in our ear and say, Barry, just play what you know to play. When God puts his hand in this situation. You know what excellence is? Excellence is not being the best. Excellence is doing your best. When you go learn that this is not about you and the devil. You do what you can do, Brother Dykes. Let the world say what they're going to say. Let your critics you do your best. Let them laugh and jeer. Let them laugh. I'll keep fumbling through chopsticks. That's all I know. Keep laughing. Because somebody's going to show up. And you ain't going to be laughing anymore. You ain't going to be laughing anymore. See? But it's hard to see the picture. When you got your head in the frame. Because if I was really doing in Ozark, I wouldn't be going through this. And I wouldn't be having to deal with that. And I wouldn't have to keep me fighting that situation. My family wouldn't have to be dealing with that. No, 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 no. No, no, he's trying to convince you you're not enough to get you to the place where you say I've had enough. Because if the dreamer dies, the dream dies. You know what these preachers need? They need some saints to feel like that they've had enough to realize that you're enough. God doesn't need to send these men families from somewhere else. You're the miracle they're looking for. You just got to get out from underneath that broom tree and plug back in. Well, it ain't doing any good. It is. There's 7,000. Never bowed a knee to bow. Never even thought about it. Eat up, Oshala. 
Come on, I'm trying to be gentle, but I've got an assignment I gotta fulfill. I, I don't want somebody to, to leave here frustrated. Brother Mark, you're shaking us. Yeah, that's 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 my responsibility here tonight. That's falling my lot. Come on, I'm trying to grab somebody like that angel grabbed Elijah, and I'm telling you, you got too much to live for. There's too many things still ahead. There's too many prayers and promises. Get up and fight. Get up and fight. That's about uh, a quarter of you. Get up and fight. say come on he didn't just put preface on it that you in order to win that you had to fight no he said if you're gonna stand you're gonna have to fight come on that's not even that that's winning's not even in the picture there if you're gonna make it you're gonna have to fight a theologian par excellence prolific writer a church starter he said, I fought a good, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I want this church to hear me right now, and I promise you I'm done. There's a whole lot more righteous people in here than what the devil wants you to think. And you better hear me before I leave. You ready? You got your spirits open? Here we go. I've seen righteous people. I've seen righteous people stand at the edge of caskets, grieving the loss of people they thought should have never died. I've seen the righteous go through financial crises. I've seen the righteous be lied on. I've seen the righteous have their name drugged through the mud. I've seen the righteous lied on. I've seen the righteous lay on the sick bed. I've seen the righteous sit on the edge of the table and the doctor have to give them the grim, dark news that it indeed, the tumor indeed is malignant. I've seen the righteous endure radiation and chemotherapy. I've seen the righteous. But I want this bunch of righteous people to hear me tonight. I've never seen them forsaken. I'm not done. Never. I have. I was young. Now I'm old. I have never go through hell. Probably be mistreated. Likely. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Inevitable. But forsaken? No. And let me leave you with this. Nor their seed. 
That's where the greatest baggage is. It's our kids. Our kids, Brother Joyner, our kids. Someone shout never. That's pretty good, but I want you to shout never with some conviction. Shout never. God's going to take care of our families. I want you to move. Now I understand that when we start moving the most, you can. some of you will be able to move as maybe 15 feet. But it's not how far you move. It's the choice to move. So I want you to move right now. You that are up close, move closer. I want ministers and ministers' wives on the platform with me. Pastors and pastors' wives, saints of God, move. Press in. Press in. I want every pastor, every pastor's wife, every evangelist, every evangelist's wife, I want you on this platform right now. Push in. Press in. Come on. You know what I feel? I feel like this is enough. Bro, this right here is enough to make an impact on our world. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough. They're still moving. Thank you. You in the balcony, I salute you. Thank you. Thank you for moving. Thank you for moving. Come on. Some of you may have to move. You may only make it down as far as the stairs. Just some forward movement. I want you to get ready. The spirit of ministry is fixing to come in here. The Holy Ghost is about to rock this place. I love you, brother. Glad you're here. You're a good man. The devil's a liar. You're doing more than what you're doing more than what he think he wants you to think you're doing. You hear me? It's it's guys like you I'm preaching to tonight. Hallelujah! Making a difference. They're making a difference. Making a difference. Saying to God, you're making a difference. Come on, that's it. You're making a difference. We're going to go from zero to a hundred just real quick. We don't have a long runway. We're going to go straight up. So you're going to have to get your spirit open. You're going to have to get your spirit and your mouth open. The easiest way to do that is when you begin to cry out to the Lord. Scripturally, there's not a quicker way to get God on the scene than crying out to Him. Just look at Israel all throughout the Old Testament when Israel cried out. Come on, God. Bam! He was there. So I want you to lift your hands right now. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hoorah you tonight. I want you to cry out like you mean business. Come on, let's go. Come on. Come on, like you mean business. Come on. Come on. 
strengthen. Strengthen God. Encourage. Come on. The spirit of encouragement's here. God wants to lift you up. God wants to hold your hands up. Come on, I can't hear you. Young people, I need your energy. I need to hear you. I can't hear you. I want you to pray with somebody. Come on. But I want you to pray with authority. I want you to pray with fervency. I want you to pray effectually. Come on. Get a hold of somebody. Pray for them right now. Get a hold of somebody. If your mom and daddy's up here and you feel like you need to be with them right now, by all means. By all means. By all means. Come on, let's pray. Come on, reach over and pray with somebody. God wants to strengthen the body. God wants to strengthen the body. Come on, here we go. Here we go. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. Come on. Will you get through praying for somebody? Pray for somebody else. I don't know if you just heard what I said, but the quest, the quest is greater than the questions. The calling is greater than the confusion. Come on, reach over, pray with somebody. You don't know what they're going through. Surprise!